You know, if we're going to be all that God wants us to be, there are certain disciplines that are found in Scripture, and uh, they help us uh, to build spiritual muscle, to become, uh, you know, they help us to be able to, to uh, go the long distance, you know, that we don't tire out, weary out, and give up. Uh, there are certain things that uh, just give us uh, everything that we need to continue to be effective in the Lord. And so this morning, as I talk to you, I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, beginning with the 24th verse. Uh, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who completes uh, for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, thus uh, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified." You know, certainly, you know, the Apostle Paul's using an analogy of some, uh, utilizing some of the events and things that took place that uh, the people in his day would have been familiar with. Uh, Those in Corinth would have known, uh, and they would have been able to apply the analogies that he is using in the context that Paul was using them. You know, there were contests and games uh, there were games that took place between the, uh, the northern and southern parts of Greece, and the people would come together uh, to, uh, almost like an Olympic-type event, and the people would gather, and they would have running and boxing and wrestling events. And, uh, you know, so Paul knew that the people were familiar with these things, and he utilized the analogies of uh, preparing for these contests to being prepared for living this Christian life. I like the fact that we're doing two tracks. We, we have a, a, scriptural, uh, appli- a scriptural knowledge, understanding, and an application track. And because the Apostle Paul here, as he's talking to the Corinthian believers, he's, he's, uh, he's encouraging them to, to become conditioned to live this life. You have, to have, you have to be spiritually conditioned to live for Jesus and to live effectively and be fruitful in your life. It doesn't just happen. How many know that God is the one who brings all of the capital into the relationship? He is uh, the sovereign, powerful, all-knowing God, and yet uh, we do have a responsibility here for our own growth and development. How many know that you and I are responsible for making our, positioning ourselves to grow in Christ? I mean, it doesn't just happen. You know, we get saved and we think that God will just take it from there and somehow we'll end up being mature in our faith. And it's never going to happen that way. It takes conditioning. You see these people that run these uh, marathons, you, you, how many understand that you don't, what, what is a marathon, 20-some miles? And yet they don't run these uh, without preparing to run them. I mean, you don't get up one day and say, I think I'll run 26 miles. You know, it doesn't happen that way. There has to be a starting point. There has to be a commitment to conditioning and preparation. And why would we think that this Christian life would not require such a commitment? 
that we are committed to our own personal growth, that, you know, just like we are with our children, when you have a child in your home, you nurture them, you pro- nourish them, you provide for them, uh, you, you train them uh, to be able to become healthy people. You do that because you, you believe that it requires some effort on your part for your child to become healthy physically, emotionally, and mentally, and for we as believers, spiritually. So I think about this for a moment, and how many of you would like to have knee replacement surgery by someone who could provide a business card without any real training or experience? How many of you like, how many of you say, well, I have had that kind of surgery? Uh, You you meet up and and someone says, I'm going to operate on you. You kind of like to know they've done it before. You like to know what their experience is. You like to know what their record is. And so it requires time and commitment for people to get to the point where others can trust them to cut their bodies open and to correct things within. How many of us uh, um, appreciate people who are part of teams who are disciplined and prepared? Whether it's at work, whether it's an athletic uh, team kind, kind of thing. Whatever it is, we appreciate those who are disciplined enough and they are prepared. You can count on them being prepared. And so, you know, we know how much of a liability it is when you have a team member who is not disciplined. You can't count on them. You know, uh, someone may show up or they may not show up. Someone's committed to, to, to doing what, it, what is needed to do things better, to do them well. And then there are others who are, they're not as committed. And we know that we can identify pretty quickly uh, which they are. How many of you want to be part of a nation whose military who, uh, that provides for our defense is untrained? You know, they say, well, we're, we've just kind of written off basic training. We don't really see any need for it. Uh, because the guys and the gals get tired and they really don't, it just, it, it takes a lot to, to invest in that and we don't really want to do that, but we will defend you. You know, we don't want an army that hasn't been trained. We don't want a military that hasn't been trained. We don't want those in positions to launch missiles uh, who have not been trained. We don't want those standing guard over our nation who have not been trained. And so we see that almost in every part of life, in order to do anything better than the way we've done them before, it requires commitment. It requires disciplines or certain practices that we have to do in order to become better. You know, when we, we think about it, uh, you, you can't prosper without personal discipline. There's no growth without personal discipline. I want to say that to every Christian, every believer in this room. You will not grow in your relationship with God without personal discipline. If there's not a disciplined prayer life, how far are we going with that? We're not going to be very effective in anything that we do if we're not. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody because we're not trying to impress God by all of the things that we do. But we understand that God, this is a partnership that we give ourselves fully to the Lord. We commit to his word. We apply the principles of his word to our lives because we believe that they are credible and they work. You know, as you and I have come into the house of God today, you know, the key to relevance is, is, is critical. There's certain keys. And we have to be proven. 
I mean, you got to develop a track record. You don't develop a track record without experience and without investment and without repetition, without uh, increase in the uh, commitment level. You know, Paul uses the analogies of a runner and a boxer. You know, and I, I thank God for uh, the analogies that he provides because it gives us some kind of picture. You know, in order, uh, you know, Paul had admonished believers to run well. God wants us to run this thing well. He, well. How many here believe God wants you to run this race well? The Bible pictures life as a race, and God wants you to run it well. You know, as you look at what the Apostle Paul said, do you not know that those who run in a race run all, all run, but one receives the prize? And he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. You see... We are to run well, not just to, to show up so that we can have a participation certificate, but we're to run to win. God wants us to run toward excellence. How many believe that God wants us to run in excellence, his excellence, toward excellence? That God wants us to grow and to become effective and strong in our faith and in our lifestyle and in our relationship and in our witnesses. You know, in order to win, one has to have uh, a, a mental uh, uh, preparation. One has to be physically prepared. And as believers, we have to be spiritually prepared. You know, spiritual conditioning. How many know that the renewing of our mind is God's will? And in order for our minds to be renewed, you have to feed your mind something that is healthy. You have to focus your thoughts on things that are godly and, and, and are glorifying to him. It's what we put in our mind, what we allow access to our thought life that either brings transformation or digression. Or as a believer, we grow, our mind becomes sharper in the renewing process of the Holy Spirit. Or we begin to just stagnate and our thoughts become unproductive and we are in, our thoughts are wavering and they're torn all, and they're blown all over the place. God wants us to have mindsets that are steeled. He wants our mindsets to be focused. How many know that focused believers are dangerous to the devil? That the devil fears those believers who are focused, those who are discerning. Those who are walking around with their eyes on the prize, they're not, they're not knocked around by life and circumstances, but in the midst of it all, they're able to keep their focus on Jesus. Those are dangerous people. And I've known some dangerous people over the years, people that have gone through great difficulties and trials, and yet their minds were set on, the, on God's Word. I have a very good friend who said his, his 19-year-old son had, um, had, um, had cancer. He was uh, 19 years old. He had, uh, was having uh, some um, breathing issues. He was coughing, and, and he thought it was just some type of allergies. They went to the hospital and uh, had some tests and diagnosis. The doctor called them in. And they had invited us to go along and to sit, right? I'm not hallucinating. We went with them, and we sat there as the surgeon came in, and he said to them, I'm sorry, uh, your son has stage four lung cancer. And he says, I, I, I'm not sure what we do here. And, uh, you know, we, we thought about that, uh, uh, I mean, that image for a long time. It was always burned into our thought process, mom and dad, devout believers, but you know something, I'm going to tell you this, 
the thing that helped them, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, the thing that helped them to get through that, and I'm saying to get through it because we have to get through it. People say, you never get through it. I don't believe that. Maybe we never get over the absence or we the pain or we never, I'm not in any way minimizing that, but we do get through. We get through what that situation presents. And they sat there in that room and, uh, you know, his name was Brian. And Brian was as precious a young man as I've ever met in my life. He loved the Lord. He was instrumentally in, uh, uh, gifted. He led worship for us many times at our church, very spiritually dialed in. And his dad looked at me as we walked down the hall in the hospital the one night. And he said, you know, or he said, I can't bury my son. He said, I can't do that. And, uh, you know, the thing is, and, and, and uh, you know, God had a plan. You know, we prayed for Brian, people fasting all around the world. His mom was, uh, or his, his aunt was a, a missionary in, I believe, Panama. And, uh, you know, people praying everywhere, fasting, praying. And this young man was just, he was in church almost every Sunday. And over the course of time, his body, he was a, he was a stout young man. He was, he, I mean, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't... You know, he, he was just built. He was stout. And uh, his body began to, fa- to fail. And uh, his, he, 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 uh, he just, his, he withered physically. And yet he, w- he would come and from a young man who came into the church and he was prayed over. That's why, you know, don't ever judge other people's faith because of what happens in their lives. Because you're not in that position to do it. You're not qualified. You're not qualified. Nor am I. I'll say that again, and if you don't, you don't hear it, I'll say it another time. You know, we're not qualified to make those judgments. It's easy to make those kind of judgments until we walk through it ourselves. Amen? When we walk through those deep, dark places and it didn't work out the way we want to, you know, we understand that God still has a plan. His plan didn't blow up. And this young, this young man's body withered, and he would walk into church, and then at the end, he shuffled into church. And he was bent over and shuffled, and all along, he would say, this, this didn't take God by surprise. And you know, he, um, we went to the hospital, sat with his dad and mom, Robin and I, a little bit, and we left that night. No sooner got home, his dad called and said, Brian passed away tonight. And the very thing that he said he didn't, couldn't do, he was going to have to do. And you understand, there are certain things in life you have to do. And how you do it depends on the conditioning of your heart, the conditioning. And, and Brian had been raised in a household of faith. His strong family, the Christian values, they lived what they, they preached. They, they lived the consistent godly life. They honored God. I, we knew them very well. And you know, the, when they, when they, when he had to bury Brian, it was the hardest thing he ever had to do. But the last thing that ever occurred to him, and it never occurred to him, was that he was going to abandon his faith. Because his faith was the bedrock of his life before Brian passed away. And it was the foundation of his faith the day after Brian passed away. And today, that foundation is in Christ because he knows that Brian went to be with Jesus. And that was hard. 
I love Brian, in fact, very much. I loved him like a son because, uh, in fact, I was hoping that he would become a son-in-law. I was always, after my oldest daughter, I said, man, Brian's such a great, great, I, I really love Brian. She said, well, if you love him that much, Dad, go ahead and get married to him. <laughs> I mean, I did. I, I tried to fix all my kids up, and I was successful in two of the three. I believe in arranged marriages. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, anyhow, Brian had passed, and, you know, I, I, the church, it was a small church. It was just full, full, full. And it was a witness and a testimony of this young man's life. You know, they came because he died, but really they came in acknowledgement of the life and faith that he lived. They saw something different in Brian that made made it compelling for them to come and, and to honor him. And I want to tell you today that it was the conditioning of his mom and dad's hearts that helped them to get through that one and you never you always feel the pain i understand that but they were able to advance is what i'm saying they were able to advance because brian made that statement the one day and i thought to myself because of my own kids yeah how how would i handle that and i want to say it's that conditioning it's when you don't want to run another foot that god says i want you to run another mile it's when you can't lift that weight one more time and God says, hey, you've got a few more left in you and I'm going to empower you. So it's the conditioning you're going to need in your life. And you know, if you're here today, you realize that at some point you've needed it. And at some point we all are going to need it. And it's that conditioning today that will make the difference in your tomorrow, in the challenges, the steep hills that you got to climb. You're going to have what you need to climb them, but you got to allow God to build you up, and you need to be strong in your faith. That's why discipleship is such a critical thing. That's why being part of a, a body of believers and growing together is so critical because, you know, who came together for Brian and his family? It was the church. It were the kin and the, and the blood-bought church people who were part of their family that came together to support them in that day and thereon. The Bible says don't run like everyone else that just is there to run and to participate. He says run with a focus toward winning the prize. And you know, every one of us can win the prize. That's the great thing. We're not competing against one another. This isn't a race to compete against one another. It's a, it's a race that is set before us to run, and we are to run it well. In fact, didn't the apostle Paul said that he had run a good race as his life neared the end? And I trust that you and I will be pre- prepared to do so. There are, there are serious, those who are serious about their desire to win are disciplined. They're balanced. And focused in all areas of their lifestyle because they will impact, that will impact their ability to perform like a champion. How many will say with me today, in Christ, I am a champion? Come on now. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't move on until you all, all, everybody jumps in. I, I just say, in Christ, I am a champion. Yeah, yeah, you're a champion. You're not just, you're not just, you know, he said, I don't beat the air. He's just not doing, doing this shadow boxing. He's preparing for an, an opponent. He's training for an opponent. And you're going to have opponents that are going to come your way. 
You're going to have challenges that are thrown down in front of you. And God wants you to know as you leave this place, if you will uh, 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 immerse yourselves in the disciplines that strengthen you in faith and, and conduct, that you are going to win. You know, Brian won that day when he went to glory, and his father, who's also named Brian, did not lose a son as much as he gained a joyful, his hope for that reconciliation in Christ just grew stronger. You know, in the natural, they're focused on the, on the temporal prize, the forgettable prize. You know, we don't remember uh, often, we don't remember yesterday's champions. We can't just tell you who won this, uh, the title in 1968 or 1985 or even maybe 2018. Uh, champions come and go, but this isn't that kind of thing. The prizes come and go. The awards of mankind come and go, but we're running for something that's eternal here. Come on, church. You're living for something eternal. Come on. You're not living for the temporal, the small measure. You want the big enchilada. You want the, the prize. Come on. You're living this life for Jesus Christ. You're living this life. Your faith is not secondary. It's primary. It's not, you know, I love this uh, as we look on. You know, some people can't advance in their faith because they get so fixated on things that really don't matter. Oh, they hurt me. Big deal. Get over it. Quickly. Did you hear that? Say quickly. Come on, let's say that. You can in Jesus. Come on. You say, how many know God can dispatch that in a second? How many believe that you, oh, I believe in a God that raises the dead. I believe in this, but I'm going to carry this around with me for a while because I can't get over it. You are phony baloney if that's your, if that's your perception. Oh, I pray for, let me pray for everybody. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Well, what about that thing in your life you're not letting go? Oh, I, I just can't right now. So people think you're being insensitive when you say, get over it. If it weren't for God, we couldn't get over much. I couldn't get over an anthill if it, were for, if it weren't for Christ. But you know, you're not disadvantaged here today. You're not, you're not a weakling, right? You're, how many here know that you got real muscle? Because you've been building muscle. You've been in this house of worship. You've been gathering with other believers. Some of you are, you have strong prayer lives. You fast before God. You seek the heart of God. You're training to be a champion. You will never become a champion if you don't train. Oh, God will get me there. God's not going to take you anywhere that your feet aren't willing to walk to. Let's keep that in mind. Oh, he's going to just get me there. No, he's not. He's going to say, get on your feet and move. Or stand still or stand strong. You know, here's the thing. Albert Einstein, a great quote, he says, weak people, here's what, here's what people seek or, or do in response to things. He says, weak people seek, uh, weak people revenge. Strong people forgive. Intelligent people ignore. Oh, you don't have to latch on to everything, right? That makes it more difficult for you. It takes you away from your training. Come on. You say, I can't, I don't have time for this stupidity. I'm training. I'm in training. I'm in training. I want to become strong in Jesus. He says I'm a champion and I want to show the world that he's true. He's telling the truth. Those who are serious desire to win. 
And, and desire to win or discipline. A determined runner is not ambiguous in his or her determination. A champion is not simply a shadow boxer. Paul says, therefore I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. There is intensive self-discipline, physical discipline, and the, and, and, uh, and the body is brought into a place of subjection to a strong mind. Your mind has to be, how many know God wants you to have a strong mind? Because your mind's got to tell your body, hey, function in accordance with God's plan for your life. Foot move where God wants it to move. Hand do what God wants it to do. You've got to allow the, the, hand, the word of God to transform your mind to the point where it is so committed to what it's, the word says that it takes command over our body. You hear people say, I just can't help myself. Without Jesus, no one can help themselves. But a believer should never walk around uh, complaining, oh, I, I just can't get, I can't, I can't. You know what? That's, the, that's a lie. Come on, church. How many will say that's a lie? I can't, I can't. I can't forgive. I can't love. I can't, I can't go another day. You can go a thousand more days. Because God is with you. Come on, God is in you. He's not only with you. Jesus said it'd be better for you, for the disciples that I go away. Because when I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And where's he going to be? He's going to be inside of you, head to toe. You say, oh, I didn't know that. Well, today, now you do. There, you know, we got a discipline. Prayer is number one. I didn't even get to it. I'm going to hurry here. Prayer is the first discipline. I could spend months on this, and I won't in one day. And I, I just want you to prayer. Prayer is, uh, 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 E. Stanley Jones said, prayer is aligning ourselves with the purposes of God. It's not just our laundry list. God, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. We can ask him for anything. He says we can. But sometimes prayer is more about us saying, God, direct me to speak into my life. Show me what it is that you have purpose for me to do. Who have you purposed for me to become? You know, that's the greatest question in your life is who has God purposed that you should become? Because who you become will determine what you do. And what you do will determine how long the effects of your behavior last after your death. You know, prayer is to outlive the, you know, your prayers will, the results of your prayers will outlive your days. You know, you're praying for your, you know, you understand your prayers are going to affect your grandkids. Your prayers are going to affect the generations to come. So we're not just praying in a, in a vacuum for just a very, you know, lifeless, uh, in a lifeless situation. Your prayers are so powerful that they are going to affect and impact grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Hey, church, how many will say, you, I, you just need to say this with me, humor me. My prayers are going to live out their influence beyond my days. So you know your powers are your, your prayers are not only powerful here but they're powerful across the generations. I claim that my grandchildren will walk in the in the knowledge of his saving grace that God will keep his hand on them, cover them with his precious blood, fill them with the holy spirit. They don't go out without being covered in Christ. They don't go about without being covered in the Lord. Come on church. That's as much for your own discipline and exercise as it is for theirs. Corey Tenboom, 
said this. Corrie Ten Boom, uh, if you don't know who she is, I encourage you to, to look it up. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I thought that was so great. I almost wanted to plagiarize it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing about that. I had no, I just thought it was a fantastic. You think about that. Is, is prayer your steering wheel? Or is it your spare tire that you only get it out when you have an emergency? You know, I love that. I thought that was awesome. How many think that's awesome? I mean, that's just awesome. Your, 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 your prayer, is that your steering wheel? Or is that your spare tire? And you know, the reason we don't grow is because too often a prayer is simply our spare tire. You know, and God's there when we need him. But you know, we need him all the time. Come on, church. Oh, you thought I was going to say just when you have an emergency. But God's there when you need him. And you always need him. We just don't realize how much sometimes we really need him. Too many of us simply want God to turn us on. We come to church. How many, and I'm not asking, how many of us have prayed over this service today? How many have invited the Holy Spirit into this house today? Before you came in the doors, you said, God, I, 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 I want to empty all this clutter out so that when I walk into the house of God, I'm ready to move with him. And if things get a little long or a little crazy, I'm with you, God. Oh, I'm with you, God, for, for an hour. <laughs> and then I got to be, well, you know, I got to be over at the... Uh, buffet before the Baptists get there. Just kidding. I don't always compete against the Baptists. But when I do, I want to win. Uh, too many Christians simply want God to turn them on. You want God just to turn you on. You want, you, in life, you want those, we want those goosebump moments. We want to, we want to feel God. We got to feel him. We got to feel him. I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I can walk in certainty, even when I don't feel anything, that God is still who he has said he is, and he still does what he says he does. Come on, church. 99.9% of my life is lived without goosebumps. That doesn't mean that God's only real in the 0.1% when I feel the goosebumps. He's real all the time. They want, you know, we want worship services to turn us on. You want to be turned on. You get in, you get on your face before God before you come here. Church. And you say, God, you know, I love my wife. She's getting better now. We've been, we, our, our food, uh, what is it, our, our list of what we can eat is smaller, you know. So we, we get in there. We, if we go somewhere, we, we, she plans this out. She's ready. She goes in there and says, the guy goes, can I get you a drink? She says, no, I want this, 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 and the drink. We're ready. Right, Robin? I like it. I mean, we're ready. And uh, I just don't want her speaking for me. But uh, the thing is... When you come to church, you got to be ready. God, I don't. I didn't come to church to feel something. I didn't come to church. Oh, the presence of God was not there. I want to tell you something. I don't buy that for one second. You know why I don't buy it? Because I met with him before church, and he told me he was coming. And if he told me he was coming, you missed out on something. Here in this house today. There's no revival, there's no authentic revelation, and there's no credible prophetic voice 
without prayer. Everything spins off of prayer. Everything spins out of a prayer life. You know, one, you walk in intimate relationship. You want to get, you want to get turned on, say, God, you're the love of my life. You're not second. You're not one A, you're not one B. You are primo, number one. You are it in my life, and I'm going to do everything I can to get my heart in a place where I can appreciate that fact. I'm going to get myself. I'm going to turn myself. I'm going to focus on it. There's no revival, no authentic revelation, no credible prophetic voice without prayer. And there's no, where there's no vision, that's usually because there's no, not much prayer. The atmosphere of the supernatural creator of all and the father of our Lord and his church, uh, his church is discerned and embraced by those who pray. You know, that's why you get some people, they come in, you come into church and, and they're, they're, they're just caught up in worship. You know, there's some, it wouldn't matter if you were singing E-I-E-I-O or whatever. They would be, oh God, you're so great. It's worshiping God. How many know worshiping God? There are some people that are just, they've already determined in their heart, I'm not letting anybody get in my way between me and Jesus as we come together and worship. If I look like a fool, so what? Come on, church. David looked like a fool before his wife, and it was his wife who remained barren. You know, David was a man of passion. Not everybody has to jump up and run around and roll around, but, you know, I saw a video not too long, well, a few times. They were having um, a baptismal service, and this had to be one of them really ultra-crazy, uh, you know, Pentecostal churches. You know, I'm, I, don't know I'm, I don't mean that. Well, I kind of do in this case. But they're, they're, they're doing it, and they're all running around the church. I mean, they're just running, and the pastor standing up there. There's a guy with his jacket waving it over his head, running down the aisle, runs up front, flings it, lands on the pastor's head. And, you know, and then the guy runs around again. I'm telling you, you can find it. Uh, you, you, the guy, look, go on YouTube, look for the guy that ultimately he comes running down the middle aisle. He ran to the baptismal tank and dove over the side. Uh, and I thought, now that's, that's something. That's really something. I think I'd be okay if it were a God thing, right? I mean, that guy didn't look like he could get over that hurdle, but man, he went head first. He had a suit on. He ran up over, dove up into the... I mean, he did a swan dive right up over the top, a splash, and you know, uh, all these crazy things. But it doesn't always... It doesn't matter how much you jump around in church... If you're not living it outside of church, you know, we're not here to impress anybody. We're not here to say, hey, we put on a good show. If you're here for a show, uh, they probably got some better ones elsewhere. But you understand here, we're, we're here, you know, you say, what is all this energy? What's wrong with you? I don't know. It's, it's God, I think. Because I didn't invite anybody else to do this. I didn't invite anything else to stir my spirit. Come on, church. You say, oh, well, you know, I asked him for a fish. He didn't give me a stone. How many are getting ready to, I mean, maybe not dive over that, but you're getting ready. I mean, if you do, I, I give you my support. There's no water in it right now. It'll hurt. Prayer 
As often, it, it shapes our mindset. We, we pray for our, our family, our, our friends, our coworkers, our, everybody. We need to be in that prayer conversation all the time. We've got to be jealous about that, that time alone. You never see these obnoxious people that love each other. I'm just kidding. These new oh, I love you. And they're like latched on to each other. Oh, it looks like they're connected and they're walking around. It's like, please stop. I'm going to say, Brett, one time, we went out not too long. Where's Brett at? Are you up there? Another rapture? Are you up there? Oh, okay. There he is. Thank you, Brett. We love you, Brett. Uh, went out to lunch with him. We got in the park. Everything was good until we left. And I never told you about this, but I'm going to tell you now. We, we walk out to the parking lot, and Brett has the audacity to open the door for his wife. And I couldn't even fake it because we were already in the car. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, and I just said, I looked at Robin and said, sorry. Well, it could happen, you know, one on your birthday. And uh, I mean, it's just one of those things. I don't even know why. Why did I tell that? You know, people that are. You know, uh, I don't know. Oh, they're in this intimate relate. Oh, I love you, honey buns. I love you. I love you. I love you. And they weren't doing that. But, I mean, he opened the door. That was enough, brother. Don't do it again. Uh, not with me. I mean, you can do it anywhere else, just not when we're together. Okay? Where, where are you at? Oh, you're up here. You've got to jealously guard that intimate relationship with God because that's where the strength comes from. That's where your inspiration to keep persevering comes from. It's that intimate, secret place, that quiet place before God that he speaks into your heart. And if you give me a couple minutes, 11.07. How many will give me a few more minutes? Okay. How many? Well, I'm not even asking you because you don't count. I mean, you do, but not in this vote. I want to ask you this morning, are you jealous about that intimacy with God, that prayer? Twofold prayer. There's prayer that's private, the prayer closet. Someone said prayer is, uh, 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 let's see, the, uh, how did he say that? You don't, like, you, you can't live the Christian life in the prayer closet, but you, you have to have, you, you have to be in it and come out in order to live. You know, some, I'm going to tell you, I messed it up. Sorry. I think it was someone who passed on to glory. Sorry about that. Uh, just in case he's in that cloud of witnesses. In the, world, in the crowd. Are you in the crowd or are you in the upper room? There's two different types of people. I know that's stereotypical, but two types of people. There's people in the crowd and there's upper room people in the church. You know, the, the crowds followed Jesus for what they could get from him. They wanted, and that's okay. God, Jesus was there to heal, to deliver, to provide, to make miracles. But there were some who followed him because of uh, what they could get. What they could get. And then the upper room, when it came down to it, there's just about, what, 120 in that upper room. Those were the crazy people. I mean, they were all in. They had heard Jesus say the things that others deemed to be controversial, and they couldn't be shook off. Others said, I can't do this anymore. He's weird. I, I can't abide. I just can't do it. They walked away. Not these ones. They were committed and they were in that upper room and that, you know, they were prayerful and God, what did it, what happened anyhow? He ended up pouring out his Holy Spirit. Come on, church. 
Now, knowing that, how many want to be part of the crowd or you want to be the upper room people? The upper room's where we got to go, right? I mean, we were on the upper deck of the bus yesterday, right, Rob? We rode around Gettysburg. Robin almost got us kicked off. You know, they said, don't touch the, the, the wires running across the road because you're only like this. She kept jumping up and grabbing onto them. And, you know, I stood up for her. I said, please, let her stay. She's not right. Uh, prayer closet. You got a prayer closet? That's a discipline. That's a place of discipline. You say, where's my prayer closet? I don't know where your prayer closet. Why are you asking me? You ought to know where it's at. Do you have one? Do you have a place where you get alone with God? You know, what you, where did he go? Where did he go? Jeff, oh, I like that night out kind of thing and have a night out with God. You know, your prayer closet's kind of like saying, hey, God, this is you and me. This is our time. And we're going to talk about the romance of worship. I only got one point here. I got some really good stuff that God gave me, but I just have to get it out. I'm not doing it all today, but the quality of prayer. You got a prayer closet? What goes into the prayer closet comes forth with greater anointing. Come on, church. Whatever goes into the prayer closet comes out with greater anointing, greater love, greater power, greater hunger, greater insight, greater love. Greater joy, greater peace. Come on. How many know what goes into the prayer closet comes out much different? How many believe that intimacy with God is going to change your life? Intimacy with God. It can be in your car. It can be in your closet. It can be on the roof. It can be in your backyard. It can be in the woods. It can be anywhere. But you got to have time and place where God, it's you and him. Because how many know there's too much of this going on all over, all around us, and there's too much of this and too much of that, and we find ourselves uh, beating at the air. We run just like we're just participating. We don't run with purpose. We don't, we're not preparing for an adversary because we don't have time to be trained. We don't have time to be mentored because we allow our minds to become so overrun with everything else that that voice, we don't hear it. I'm going to ask Tammy to come, and I've gotten through one. Those doing the slides, please don't get any more disgusted than you usually do. But I want to just say, I am going to pick up on these points. Next week, we have uh, the Crawfords are speaking, and we're looking forward to them sharing what God has done for the last couple years. Amen? I'm going to encourage you to be here, welcome their family. Uh, I think the week after, I'll be able to pick this, this up. But I got some really good disciplines, and I want to talk about them because they're scriptural. E.M. Bounds was a trained lawyer. You ever read anything E.M. Bounds has written? Not E.F. Hutton, E.M. Bounds. He was a trained lawyer, and before he entered into the ministry in his 20s, and uh, throughout his life, he was a man who wrote many books about prayer. Power through prayer, the essentials of prayer, the necessity of prayer, the weapon of prayer. He said, we are in danger of substituting churchly work in a ceaseless round of showy activities for prayer and holy living. A holy life does not live in the, this is where, sorry, uh, this, a holy life does not live in the prayer closet, but it cannot live without the closet. That's good. You see that? You hear that? I want you to hear it one more time because it's true about all of us. A holy life does not live in the prayer closet, 
but it can't live without the cloth. I mean, we can't, we can't shut the world out forever. We got to come out and we got to live. He said, prayer has outlived the lives of those who uttered them. Outlive a generation, outlive an age, outlive a world. I'm going to invite you to stand. There's two types of prayer today that we're called to. Prayer closet, corporate prayer. Prayer closet, corporate prayer. God calls his people to a a time of intimate prayer. And he calls us into a time of of shared, a season of shared prayer. You know, Sunday, going to church, believers... Here's the difference. See, we had a great altar time last week, and automatically, I know what it is. We got to have that every week, and it was so good. But God may even do something better than as we move forward, right? How many say, God, do something even better by your standards, not ours? But here, we 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 make idols. And we don't want to do that. We make idols of people. We make idols of events. We make idols of things. Certainly, they are landmarks. And they are foundational experiences for what God wants to release next. Most of us, it's easier to aim at what we know and what we've seen than to dream what God wants to show us through prayer. You know, because something bigger is on the way. God's not a diminishing God. Come on now, church. You believe God's not diminishing? You go home. You get your your uh, your little uh, outfit on. I don't know what your outfit is. Your work on outfit. You go home and you say, every time you lift or curl those weights, you say, Jesus, make these muscles strong. Come on, church. You don't have weights? Pretend. That's what I'm doing. Just pretend. God, make these muscles strong. Make these legs strong so that I can run hard for you. I realize that all these things that I'm asking you require, first of all, that I give you my heart. Make my heart beat strong for you. May it be the passion of my life. May it it just embrace you as the first love in my life. Come on, church. You know, that would be a great name, First Love Church, you know, where Jesus is the first love and out of him, wow, people really love each other. Not this, oh, I love you, brother. Man, I can't stand that guy. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about loving when, when it's really hard to love. When, when, they're, when they're going through the worst experiences of their life, you come along in love and help and encouragement. But you know something? We, if, we're, if we're not, if we're prayerful, we, we know that God is sovereign and he's unpredictable in some ways. Because his ways are bigger than ours. And I believe there, there's something that God wants to release in every gathering of his people that's unique and different. And things you ain't never seen before, and ain't ain't a word, but I've grown up using it, and I love it. I'm a hick. Prayerful believers know that God is sovereign. He's powerful. And we know that he's powerful in the excitement, and, in, and he's powerful in the whisper. First off, do you have a prayer closet? Do you have a place, a time where you meet with God? I mean, yeah, we walk with Him, we're prayerful, all. But I'm not. I, you know what? I think it, it requires something a little more. We gotta separate. 
and say, Jesus, this is you and me now. Please, Lord, download into my life your heart. Download into my life, Lord God, your love. What walks in pride when it enters into the prayer closet comes out in Christ-like humility. What walks in weary emerges renewed. What walks in defeated emerges victorious. What walks in indifferently comes out with a great passion. What walks in confused comes out with clarity of mind. What walks in as a victim emerges as a champion. And as we leave this place today, we're teammates, so we pray together. We do life together. But if we do all our activities together and we network together and yet we don't pray together, we've kind of not fueling the vehicle. When we pray with one another, pray corporately, we're praying, uh, we're uniting to be ignited. We are uniting to be ignited. We are uniting to be ignited. God, Holy Spirit, we fan the flame. We fan the flame, flam, fam, fam, fam. You know, I don't even know what that word means. We fan the flame, the embers that are, are, are burning. God, we want to fan into flame. Come on, church, together. We're praying together. I want the fire to start from one end of this church to the other, from the front to the back. I don't, I don't want you sitting there in your seat saying, well, I sat there the whole service, and I didn't see anything happening. I'm going to tell you, it's going to hit so close to home that if you don't get ready, it's going to run right over you, that God is going to move from the right to the left and from the front to the back. Holy Spirit of God, unite us in prayerful disposition Ignite this church together. How many here say, Holy Spirit, you're here in this house. You're here in this place. You dwell within us as temples. And yet, Lord God, you're always drawing us in deeper into the heart of the Father. You're drawing us in with cards of revelation, knowledge. And you're drawing us in with love. Come on. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to fill somebody to overflow today. Right here. Someone never baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, there's a good possibility that if you get filled with the Holy Spirit... You're going to see people around you getting saved. You say, oh, there's a lot of us spirit-filled people and nobody gets saved. I want to tell you, that's not true. Because it doesn't depend on your ability or mine. It's the Holy Spirit. And you know, the problem is the Holy Spirit is often not given the liberty and the freedom to move through us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church. You say, oh, I don't know what this is. I got to tell you, I'm not sure either. I just know God's in it. How many here just say, God, I, I just want to breathe in the air of God. I want to come together with other believers as they have done throughout Scripture, as they did at Azusa Street, Lord God, as they had gathered in the upper room, as in every revival there were those who prayed together and they united to see, an, uh, see it ignite. 
Come on, church, do you want to see this thing ignite? I'm tired of complaining. I'm tired of politicking. I don't want to hear any more politics. Honestly, I don't. Not, not in this house. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. Come on, church. Do you believe that this is a house of prayer? This is a house that hosts the glory of the Most High God. And I'm saying it because I've gotten so immersed in all of it, so embittered and so angry. And, you know, I don't want to put my head in the sand. I'm not saying that. But church, the greatest thing the world needs is a move of God. And that's not Republican or Democrat or Independent. The move of God Almighty, King of glory. He is the King of glory. I can't help myself today. He is the King of glory. He is the King of glory. Come on, church. Can you acknowledge the King of glory? The King of kings. The Lord of all lords. Together we praise you. Together we pray. Lord, as one. As one. There's nothing we do together that makes us any stronger than praying together. Hallelujah. I mean, I I just feel inclined to ask this question today. How many of us have been couch Christians? We sit and we eat our cheese curls, and I'm not opposed to that. I like them, as a matter of fact. But the cheese curls, and we sip, and we just uh, have gotten so used to just lounging around. And we look at the things that are happening, and what do we do? We turn the news channel to Fox, or, uh, you know, I can't conceive anybody turning it to anyone else. But other than, what is the other one? What? Newsmax, yes, okay. Anyhow, but I'm just going to say... That's not where it's going to happen, folks. I'm so tired of looking at politicians expecting them to do what he's called the church to be. I ask you this morning. This is rather long, and I, I don't know a short sermon. I've not met him yet, but one day, I want to say this. How many just say it's time? to unite so that we can ignite in in God. I don't want any creepy lizard, snake, demon thing trying to usurp the authority of God because my God reigns on high. And every affliction and every... Uh, everything that Satan would seek to do. You say, what are you, we're now talking about the devil? Yeah, I am because there's a real God and there's a real devil. Only difference one is one is God and one is not. One is holy and one is evil. Both of them are active, but only one of them is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present. You know that, right? Come on, church, we got to ignite so we can boot out some of the strongholds we got to boot the strongholds out. we got to boot them out. Come on, church. We're worried about who's getting voted in and out while we allow the devil and his heart to run rampant over the territories that belong to God and not to him. He doesn't have any right to anything in your life. He doesn't have any right to your children. And yet we allow him to afflict them. We allow him to torment them. We invite him into our home as though he were our friend through our entertainment, through our behaviors, through the things that we do. And we expect 
that our children will be safe. I'm going to ask you if you take a moment. This has been a long time, but I'm only tearing as long as I... You know what? I, I, I believe Sunday is a, is a great launch day for the rest of the week. Some come in and say, oh, it's the end of a week. No, it's the first day of the week. It's time to get going. Can I ask you if you just take a moment here? I, I, you know what, people, if you need healing today, I want you to, as best as you can, I want you to run to the altar. I mean, we have good liability insurance. Just watch where you're stepping. I want to ask you to, to move with haste. Come on. I'm going to ask our prayer team, our, 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 our leaders, if you'd come. And, you know, I know you say, oh, I thought you were done. I thought I was too. But God says, no, I want, I want to pray. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for somebody, some, some, not just one, but some. Come on, church. I, you know, it, what do you want from God? Do you want microwave God? Or do you want God to change everything for life and eternity? We don't want a microwave God. We don't want a God who gives us little finger snacks. Finger foods, that's what they call them. Hallelujah. How many here say, God, I, I got to get, get in spiritual conditioning. My family needs to see me. They need to see you in me. They need to see strong moms and dads. They need to see moms and dads who aren't ashamed of being a mom and dad and who are not ashamed to be believers, followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you for a moment just to come. You know, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not weird. Just God's been taking me some places and I'm going. Are you willing to go? I almost feel like I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, I'm swimming right now, you know? And I'm not trying to be weird. God is so fluid and full, refreshing. God has set us free. How many, anybody here, you got a, you got a, you got, you got a young person in your life that's in peril right now. You ought to be the first one up here. You're not, not someone who's wondering if I should. If you've got to wonder about it, the first thing you need to say is, that means I need to. How many men here going to say, I want to be a Holy Ghost filled man. I want to be powerful. Not for our own vanity, but you know what? I want to be the kind of person that, Lord, prays effectual prayers because in Christ we stand righteously declared. Would you take a moment with me? We won't keep you long. You can leave. Once, once we begin to pray for a few here, you can leave anytime you want. The doors are, are open if they've unlocked them. Just kidding. Anyhow, I want to invite you to just come for a moment. You know, the worst thing that I could do is to leave this place and there's someone whom God says he wants to do a work in their lives and they don't experience it. Anybody? You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid today. I'm not afraid. Lord God, I pray that these altars one day Lord, as much as we say we want people to be lined up to get into the church, that will never happen until these altars fill up again. Until there is a, you know, people say, I don't need to do that there. Oh, you do, you do. It's not the thing, it's not the only thing, but it's certainly an important thing. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on this church body, bring strength and healing. And I'm going to ask Tammy if you'd play and and we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll just close in a, in a moment or two here. But Jesus, fill this house. 
Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.